Welcome. I'm Richard Prosh, and this is another edition of Six Gun Justice Conversations. These are occasional bonus downloads where my co-host, Paul Bishop, or I get to hang out around the virtual Six Gun Justice campfire and spend some time talking with friends who work in the Western genre. With me for this edition is award-winning author Vicki Rose. Vicki J. Rose, who also writes under V.J. Rose and the pseudonym Easy Jackson, was born and raised in what was once the wildest Old West town in Texas. She earned a degree in journalism from a small West Texas university and has been published in numerous nonfiction anthologies, written articles for magazines and newspapers, authored several books, and a screenplay that won semifinalist in a national contest. A 2014 Spur finalist for short fiction, she's active in the Western Writers of America, the Western Fictioneers, the Daughters of the Republic of Texas, and the Texas Folklore Society. When she's not writing, she's gardening, playing with her terrier mix Hondo, and trying to stay out of the way of two cats, lizards, snakes, armadillos, and various other critters that roam her property. Howdy, Vicki. Hello. So glad to be here. So what was it like growing up in a wild Texas town? It was fun because we knew we were different. We knew, Our town had a unique history. It had been um, founded as a railroad town, but it was close to some little hills called knobs that were heavily wooded. And after the Civil War, that was a great place for outlaws to hang out. And they would come to town and cause all kind of trouble. That we were so far away from the county seat and the sheriff had his hands full there. He didn't really want to come here. So we were kind of on our own. Things got so bad that farmers would have to plow in dresses in order to keep from getting shot at. Because back then it was still, you know, considered wrong to um, shoot at women. But, so those kind of things were really bad. Uh, lots of lawlessness. Listness. And eventually a group of citizens took the law in their own hands and they formed a vigilante group. And it was the vigilantes versus, versus the notch cutters, which was the name of the biggest outlaw group. And they hung a bunch of people. They had a bunch of gunfights in town. And it it made the news all over the nation when that happened. The news of what happened in MacDade was printed as far away as Pennsylvania, and I think even a London newspaper carried it. So it, it was a really – and then the other people that kind of were like, oh, man, don't go there. It's bad. So we grew up with that kind of legend that we we had a little bit different history than most places. And – and plus, my grandparents, who I stayed a lot with, my grandmother's side of the family was on, her side was one of the sheriffs who got killed by the bad guys. And my grandfather's side of the family was uh, the ones who killed him. So <laughs> it was a lot of oh fun. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, who had the sorriest kinfolks? It was fun. It was different. It was fun. Do you think that the people in your town appreciate that today? Do they do they still appreciate that a little bit, or do they try to cover it up and hide it? <laughs> no, they've never covered it up. They've never tried to cover it up. We've always talked about it. And, and last um, last October, the museum sponsored the seventh graders in Texas. Seventh graders have to take Texas history, so we had the seventh grade class of Mac Day, which is about twenty four students come over. And we did a 
while one of them toured the museum, the other ones were in the next building playing a game of um, Mac Dade History Feud. And we told them all about Mac Dade history because we're proud of it. And we want them to know that they're from a special place and to be proud of that special place. That's really wonderful. Were you a, a bookworm in school? Did you read about all of this history and enjoy it then? And did you read Western fiction? I read a lot. My parents didn't graduate from high school. My grandmother got married when she was 15. But they were all avid readers. And my first Western was a, the Virginian. Someone had given my grandmother the Virginian, which she loved. And I read it, and I loved it, too. I, I, I thought the woman in it, the school teacher, I thought she was kind of prissy. I was kind of like, oh, come on, get off of this, you know, no violence. <laughs> anyway, I loved the Virginian. And later on, I think I was very influenced by uh, – Charles Portis, True Grit. I thought if I could just write something as good as True Grit, except I didn't like the ending. I thought that the John Wayne movie was much more of a satisfactory ending than what Charles Charles Portis put in the book. But other than that, I loved it, and I just thought if I could write something as good as he could, I would just be so happy. Do you still read Westerns now? It's kind of bad because you don't want to be heavily influenced by people. It's, you know, Alfred Hitchcock, they said, what movies do you like? And he said, none, because I don't want anybody's in, anybody's movies influencing mine. So I do read Westerns, but I try not to devour too many of one person because I don't want to come off sounding like someone else. I want my voice to be unique. I've read that some people who are Western writers often just read nonfiction because, you know, we have to research so much anyway. And so there are so many great nonfiction books out there. Entirely true. You end up reading so much nonfiction when you're writing a Western because you think, okay, I want to get this right. So you do end up reading a tremendous amount of nonfiction. I think that my favorite book in the whole world is Dandelion Wine by Ray Bradbury. And To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee is a close second. So I really loved your recent novel, Muskrat Hill. It's comparable to those two novels, I think, and it, it feels really autobiographical in a lot of ways. Is is that true? Did did you kind of mine your own background and I I, I tried to mine the feeling that a, my small town gave me. I didn't base any of the characters in that book on certainly not on my parents or on any really one person. What I did was took a little of this and a little of that and blended it all together. But the feeling of a small town is what I tried to capture in Muskrat Hill. I really had, when I first started writing it, I was really worried about what voice to use. And I ended up using a little boy, Kit, and I've had people later tell me that they think I found the perfect voice with that. It really is. I, I really like that book. Thank um, you so much. And you're in the process of producing a movie. Yes, right I'm, now. Trying, I'm trying to do that. I wrote a screenplay, a Christmas Western, and I'm working very hard trying to get it produced. But when you don't have that movie background, no, it's just an uphill battle because because people think you can't do it. They think you're not going to be able to actually get a film in the can. So it has been a fight. 
but I'm still working on it. I've got the preliminary budget done. I have the schedule done. I've got the contracts for raising money at the attorneys so that I can start on that. Uh, Court, C. Courtney Joyner, who's another author, has been very helpful to me. He suggested that I try to find a name star who is also willing to direct. So if any of you listeners out there are a name star and you'd like to direct, get with me, please, <laughs> and, and we'll talk. <laughs> well, you've got a, a big posse of fans behind you for sure on that. And Court, Court's a great guy. Um, we just did a conversation about a week ago with him as well. Okay. I listened to it. It was really great. It was a great interview. He, yeah, he is. He's been a good friend. He's a great guy. And honestly and truly, I want to plug the Western Writers of America and the Western Fictioneers because both of those groups are so helpful to writers. That's where I made friends with Court was in uh, the WWA. I've made so many friends in the in the w, the Western Fictioneers too in the WF. And they can really help you a lot, answer questions that you don't have, that you don't understand about what gun to use and all that kind of stuff. So I would suggest that if anyone is writing Westerns, that they join those organizations. I really agree. Um, I think Johnny Boggs, in one of our conversations, said that he owes his whole career to Western Writers of America because of the first couple of conferences he went to. And I can second that. I think that the help and the guidance I've I've received has just been invaluable. Yes. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So you also write romance as VJ Rose. Where do your pen names come from? Do you kind of separate your voice that way a little bit? No. I The, the one... That is more of a romance. It's also kind of a spy thriller. And I wrote that. That was the first book I got published, actually. And it's pretty raunchy. The rest of them are really mild compared to that one. I don't know why it was so raunchy. Just what? I published that one with a small company. They went under. And I thought, I thought well, I'll self-publish another one. And I really didn't I, had a very hard time understanding how Amazon works, and I still don't know how Amazon works. About the same time, I finally got Gary Goldstein at Kensington to notice me, and he prefers that his writers either use a male name or use initials because a lot of men don't want to pick up a Western book in Walmart with a woman's name on it, even you know, even though they may know that I'm a woman. For some, it's just the way women will read anything, but men are a little leery about picking up those books. And a lot of times, I know I've had the diehard Western fans tell me, well, because it's usually a romance and they just throw in a little bit of, of the old West is why. And that may be part of it too. I picked, uh, I told Gary, I said, okay, that's fine. I don't like VJ Rose. Rose just doesn't sound very Western to me. And so I said, here's a list of family names. Pick a last name. And he said, well, I like Jackson. I said, okay. And I said, would it be okay if I caught, if I did Easy Jackson? And he said, yeah, but are you sure? And I said, yeah, I think it's really catchy. I went to Barber College with this big guy, and he just kind of shuffled with Manny Watt, and he was real friendly, and everybody, just, everybody called him Easy. And at the time, I thought, oh, that's such a cute name, name Easy. 
But when I um, got Mike Bray over at Wolfpack, Mike Bray said, no, I don't want you to use a pseudonym. I want you to use real name. You can use your initials, but I, would, I prefer you to use your real name. So I said, okay, I will. You know, I do whatever the editors and publishers want. You know, if they say do this, I go, okay. That's, that's the reason beside that. I Personally, I try to write everything I can under Easy Jackson. You know, it's a, I think it's a catchy name. I think that's one reason why Lewis Lamore did so well, honestly, is because he had such a great name. You know, his books obviously are good, but I, I don't think that name hurt him a bit. So I agree. It's a, it's, it's a really catchy name, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Easy Jackson is a great name, too. You have a uh, story coming out as Easy Jackson in our Western Fictioneers Anthology collection under Western Stars later this year. What do you like writing better, short stories or novels? It must be novels because the only time I ever attempt a short story is if someone, if someone says, will you submit a short story? And I'll go, okay, I'll work on it. But I don't, I don't intentionally ever set out to write short stories. Do you find, do you find them more difficult? Yes, I do. You have to make every word count. You, you can't ramble. You got you have every single word you put in a short story has to count for something. You have to really tighten it up to make it work. And I think it is difficult. Yeah, you really have a short time to kind of develop the character and and get that plot across it. It can be a, a real constraint. Sometimes, you know, I find that longer novels are sometimes hard, like really long novels, because then you get to that point where you've gone beyond. Have you have you found that? Do you have a kind of a happy space of word uh, uh, word count? I usually do pretty good around 86,000 words. That's kind of where I like to go. A lot of writers who write a lot and they write fast, they love 50,000 words. When I tell a story, I, I end up probably telling way too much. That's That that seems to work best for me, the 86,000 words. That seems to be about where the Tennessee Smith Westerns are coming in. Um, what can you tell us about the Tennessee Smith Westerns that are out from Pinnacle? I tried to sell near Muskrat Hill, but Muskrat Hill is a little bit different. It's a mystery. It's, it's more of a solve the mystery type thing that happened in the Old West. And I tried to sell it to him. He Sort of liked it, but he couldn't get it past the other editors. And Gary said, okay, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. I was just devastated, totally devastated. But he said, I'm going to tell you what, I'm not taking this one, but if you will write me two books about a female about a female sheriff who has to take on these rowdy stepsons and her husband dies on the wedding night. And he said, I'll I, I think I can publish them. They'll let me publish that. And I just looked and I said, well, it's a comedy, right? You know, her husband talks on the way. <laughs> and he said, no. <laughs> and he said, can you write it? And I went, oh, yeah, sure. Well, after pulling my hair out, I did write it. And I think I did pretty good. I, I fulfilled the two books. I have people ask me all the time, when are you bringing another tinny out? And I went, I don't know. Whenever Gary lets me. <laughs> but anyway, after I took my scrap heel I did everything Gary told me. Everything Gary criticized, I tried to fix. And I, and I turned it over to Five Star. And Hazel Rum, the, the uh, editor at Five Star, she emailed me back and she said, I love this. It is fabulous. So I almost started crying. After having it ripped apart and then having someone else say, I love this. It's fabulous. I was just, I was crying. I, I could have kissed Hazel. I was so happy. But I had taken everything that Gary had suggested and had, 
and had changed it. So it wasn't a bad, it wasn't a bad experience. It was a good experience. That's a great story. You know, Hazel's pretty tough. I've, I've submitted work to her before too. And, and uh, so if she said it was great, you know, it's great. You know, she's not just going to uh, blow smoke. I mean, Hazel's, Hazel's good. I hope so. I've, the only thing that, that I've gotten in trouble over it is I did have one sex scene in, in Muskrat Hill that did, I won't say offend people, but it upset people. And, but it was only a couple of older people who told me that. But everyone else has told me they really enjoyed Muskrat Hill. I, I, I turned it into everything. I turned it in to a, for a Pulitzer. I just got through turning it in for an Edgar. I turned it in to the WWA Spurs. I turned it in to the WF Peacemakers. And I'm hoping that it'll hit somewhere down the line. Somebody will like it enough to give it an award. <laughs> Well, and it, it fills all of those different categories, too, because like you said, it is a mystery. And I think that's what's great about Westerns. You know, people tend to think Westerns are just the old fashioned shoot 'em ups in the street. But have you found, I mean, I'm kind of speaking for myself, but have you found that Westerns that let you do all sorts of things, right? Mysteries? Oh, yes. Yes, they will. And, they'll, you know, you can just go anywhere with them. There are, you know, the older diehard Westerns who only want the traditional ones, and that's fine. But I've had people tell me they had quit reading Westerns, but after they read the, the Tennessee Smith books, they said, I'm going to read more. I like these. You just have to write the best you can and hope you find the audience. Exactly. Vicki, I need to wrap up our conversation, and I'll do so by pointing folks to your website, VickiJRose.com where they can learn more about you and your work. Thanks for being a part of the Six Gun Justice podcast today. Thanks for having me. It's been wonderful. I hope that I've entertained people. That's my goal in life, to entertain. Thanks to Vicki for hanging out and chatting. Thanks to you for listening. Paul and I appreciate your support of our Six Gun Justice podcast and hope you continue to enjoy each and every episode. As always, a hearty thank you to our sponsors, Wolfpack Publishing, author Chris Enns, and the Western Writers of America for making this podcast possible. Be sure to check our website, www.sixgunjustice.com, for links to previous podcast episodes, speed listens, and prior conversations, along with reviews, interviews, and articles from the Western genre. Till next time, keep the sun at your back, and a good horse at hand. Let's ride.